How are you doing today? You doing well? Fantastic. Isn't it good to be in the presence of God? Well, if you're watching online today, welcome to C3. Welcome uh, to church today. I know that God is going to bless you right where you are, uh, and uh, he's going to meet with you today. Praise God. Well, it's great to be with you. My name is Tim, Tim Robertson. Uh, I come from Bristol. I'm married to one wife. I've got three grown-up children, 34, 30, and 28 funny names, but we like them. And uh, I've also got two grandchildren. Hard to believe, I know, looking at me. Not enough surprise there. Okay. All right. I still love you. It's all good. But it's my absolute joy to work for this incredible organization, Compassion. And I get the privilege of speaking up for children every day. Kids who have no voice. The Bible says this, defend the cause of the poor and the needy. This is the heart of God. From Genesis to Revelation, it's about justice. It's about mercy. It's about compassion. And we're a part of that. That is part of our discipleship. And it's just so exciting. I don't know how much you know about compassion. Obviously, you're sponsoring 180 kids. Thank you so much from us, but also from them as well. But compassion's been going since 1952. And in that time, a million kids have gone through our programs. Their lives have been changed forever. And so have their families. In fact, I was with one yesterday, a Compassion graduate who's over here, Liz from Uganda, and uh, there was her, her little, uh, three little children running around. They will not know poverty anymore because Liz beat poverty. Somebody crossed, helped her to cross the line of poverty. It's amazing. So currently there are over 2 million children uh, registered on over 7,000 projects in 25 developing nations across three continents. And uh, you're in quite a few of those, those countries, and you're making a difference. You're a part of this great, exciting ministry. You really are. So thank you. Thank you so much. Do you know, when I look at kids like Levi's, Levi's from uh, Nairobi here, great name, isn't it? I love, I love some of these kids' names. I was in another project in Kenya uh, recently, and there were three children there, Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, and Nelson Mandela. Fantastic. So I had, my, I had my picture taken with these world leaders, you know, and I think they will be because many of our kids go on to be great leaders in their nations and in their communities. And, and Levi's was uh, three in February and, and here's Lucy. Look at Lucy. She's got some attitude, this girl. Hands on hips. You know, she'd do well at Breathe Conference, I reckon. She's owning it. And, uh, you know, somebody could invest in her life. We want to see young women especially reached and lifted out of poverty in Jesus' name. And uh, that's going to make all the difference now. Have I got some water here? Because I need some water. I've been speaking all weekend. Fantastic. And I'm a little bit dry. But uh, uh, I know that today God's going to touch our hearts and do something with us, I believe. If you have a Bible, just turn to Luke's Gospel and chapter 10. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10. And uh, you're going to know this story really, really well. Even if you've not been at church for too long, maybe you've not been a Christian very long, but I think that you'll have heard this story maybe way back at school, uh, somewhere along the course of life, you'll have heard this story. It's the story of the Good Samaritan. Luke's Gospel, chapter 10 and verse 25 says this, On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, 
with all your strength, with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied, do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think uh, was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's just take a moment to pray, shall we? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence here this morning, Lord. It's good to be in your house. It's good to be part of your family. And Lord, we want to hear from the Father today uh, something of your compassion, your mercy, your grace. So Lord, would you correct us today? Would you transform us today, renew our thinking, enlarge our hearts, give us a greater capacity to extend your grace and your love and your mercy, we pray today. Inspire us, encourage us, Lord, so that we can live for you in these days. In Jesus' name, amen. So a great story. A man goes on a journey. He's beaten up. He's robbed. He's left uh, for dead on the side of the road. And, and uh, a priest comes along, a religious man. Now, you would think that this guy would help him, you know, uh, because he was religious. Of course, he loved God. Of course, he would help this man. But he doesn't. He thinks, well, I've got to get to the temple. I've got to represent God before the people and the people before God. So I need to get to the temple. But I'm sure God will send someone else. Well, another person comes along, another religious person. This person is a Levite. A Levite was somebody who uh, attended to the sacrifices that needed to be made in the temple. Uh, he sees the blood and he thinks, I'm not even getting close because I've started the, the ceremonial cleansings and washings that make me fit to make the sacrifice. So I can't get involved, otherwise I'll be corrupted. So I'm sure God will send somebody else. There's a lot of that in the church today. I'm sure God will send somebody else. Well, God did send somebody else, and this time it was a, a Samaritan person. Now, I guess the guy lying on the road saw this guy come and thought, well, I don't stand a chance with him either, because uh, the Samaritans hated the Jews, and the Jews hated the Samaritans, and he thought, well, he's going to go. He's not going to help me, but this is the one who stopped, who went to him, who made a difference into this man's life. He was a, a, a man who needed a friend. He needed a neighbor. And it was the Samaritan, the one that you could almost forgive for walking by, is the one who actually stopped. Martin Luther King said this, that um, the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop and help this man, what will happen to me? What will happen to me? But the Samaritan reverses the question. He says this, if I don't stop and help this man, what will happen to him? Church, that's a good question for us to be asking 
today in the 21st century here in Cambridge, if we don't stop, if we don't get involved, what will happen to them? What will happen to those who are broken? What will happen to those who are lost? What will those hap- happen to those whose lives are messed up, who are living in darkness right now, if we don't stop and get involved? The reason that you're here today is not just to have a great time in worship, although we have a great time in worship, but it is to receive something of the anointing of the Holy Spirit and the grace of God that will cause us to go out and make a difference into the lives of those who are broken and helpless, the last, the least and the lost. Uh, and Jesus tells this story to this, uh, this guy who's asking the question, who is my neighbor? Uh, what does it mean to love God? Jesus tells the story to illustrate what it means to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, this is a discipleship is- issue. Any disciples in the house today? That's what we're called to be, not just believers, but disciples, people who will follow, people who will get in the dirt of the dust of the master's feet, who will, who will say, yeah, I'll do whatever it takes to serve you, Jesus. I want to love you with every part of my being. And, and I think we can learn something from the Samaritan's response today in the way that he showed uh, that kind of holistic love uh, for the master. You know, number one, four things I want to share with you. Number one this man was moved in his soul. He was moved in his soul. He chose to see the need. You see, he chose to see what the issue was. He was moved in his soul. When he saw him, he took pity on him. He didn't close his eyes to the need like the others did, but he opened his eyes and he he got involved. He saw the issue and he went to the man and helped him. Can I tell you, church, that that's what Jesus does. He always sees the need. Now you might be thinking, well, does he really see me here today? I'm in this room with all these people. Does he really see my need? Yes, he does. He sees the crowd, but he sees the individual. And he sees your heart. Maybe you today you've been saying, has he heard my cry? Does he see my need? Does he see my situation? Maybe you're listening online church today and and you're in your home and and maybe illness keeps you back or maybe there's problems in your life or, or whatever it may be. But can I tell you this morning, he is the way maker. He is the miracle worker. He is the promise keeper. He is the light in your darkness and he can make a difference into your life today. He sees your need. Open your heart to him. Come to him. Today he's a father who loves you so very, very much. He really does. Maybe you're not a Christian today. Maybe you've not put your trust in Jesus and and made him number one of your life. Well, stop messing about. Come on. Time is, is, is short. We only get this window of opportunity to live a life. And Jesus is revealing himself to you. And he says, come and follow me because I want you to live the life that I've got planned for you. It's purpose, it's hope, but there's life eternal as well. You need to turn around and stop living for yourself and and live for him. It's time to live for Jesus. He sees your need and he he is the solution to your need. And he's got an even better life for you. Matthew 9, 36 says, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. He sees the need. And you know, as his disciples, we need to be people who see the needs around us in our community, at the school gate, in the town, in the coffee shop, wherever it may be, in the workplace. Open your eyes to see the need. And then further beyond, can I tell you today that 15,000 children will die today of easily preventable causes? 15,000 children. And yesterday, 
and tomorrow and the next day. 15,000 children dying of easily preventable causes, things like measles, things like malaria, malnutrition-related causes, diarrhea. Oh, we don't want to talk about diarrhea on a Sunday morning in church, do we? I'm sorry if that offends you, but actually it offends the heart of God that kids don't have adequate diet or safe, clean water to be able to live a healthy life, and so they die. And the things that we can just get a, a, an easy access to in healthcare, over-the-counter medicines, a shot in the arm, uh, all that we need, cowpole, God bless cowpole, for those who have little ones, you know, uh, it makes all the difference. And we have so much in our world. We have so much access to the things that we need. And yet so many lack those things. 15,000 kids, nearly a billion people will go to bed hungry tonight. Mums singing to their kids, trying to get them off to sleep because they can't feed them. Nearly 800 million people don't have access to safe, clean water like we do. And the result of that is very often young girls have to, to walk, you know, maybe five kilometers a day to, to, to go and fetch water. And very often the, 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 the water source is unreliable. And so... Um, uh, you know, they're getting filthy water that they're bringing home and maybe now on the way home, they're feeling quite, you know, uh, vulnerable and maybe somebody takes advantage of them and it happens and now they're corrupted. So now nobody wants them to be married to them. And so very often what happens in some cultures is that there's an honor marriage and so the rapist, the violator, the perpetrator will marry the girl And now she's subject to abuse all through her adolescence. By the time she's 13, she may have a first child. By the time she's 15, she may have a second child. By the time she's 17, she may uh, have HIV AIDS and have passed on the HIV AIDS to the child that is now inside her. By the age of 22, she's probably dead. And why did that happen? It happened because she didn't have access to safe, clean water. She had to walk somewhere. She was vulnerable and she was exploited. This is what the poor face. It's not just a case of not having enough to eat or shelter or a job or money. It's all the other things that go with it. It's injustice in the world today. You know, uh, often we think, well, if we could just give more money, that will help. Do you know, the opposite to, to poverty is not wealth. The opposite to poverty is justice. We've got to get to the root of the cause and speak out of that. So when you invest in a child, when you uh, speak up for that child, uh, you are speaking out against injustice. And we're changing the situation. You're enabling and empowering that child to grow up in an environment of faith uh, so that they can become the leaders that will change their, their communities as well. And that's exactly what's happening. 2.3 billion people don't have access to a safe place to go to the toilet in dignity today. I've got two toilets, one up, one down. Um, I'm okay. But for some people, they have to uh, share with many others. One of our guys, Jane from Kolkata, he he grew up in a a slum, uh, 10,000 people, two toilets, one tap. How about that? Can you imagine the filth and the lack of sanitation and the, uh, the health issues that result from that. The list goes on, it really does. Millions of people in modern day slavery, two million children this year, young children will be sexually exploited, trafficked uh, to be used by people. 130 million girls will not be in school, girls alone. That's not including the boys, 
will not have an education tomorrow because they're kept back to light fires and sweep floors and fetch water and, and, and do all of those things. And, and they're kept out of education. But if only they could have an education, then they could get a qualification. If they could get a qualification, then they could get a job. If they could get a job, then they could get some money. And if they've got money, then they've got spending power. And if they've got spending power, then they've got a voice. And they can change their communities. So, you know, little, little Lucy here, I wonder what she could become. I wonder what she could become, a teacher, maybe a lawyer, a doctor, maybe a, an MP, a local businesswoman. She could change some lives, she really could. She just needs somebody to hold her hand and help her to cross the line of poverty and give her a, a hope and a future. He chose to see the need. We need to see the need. You know, loving God with our souls means allowing Him to saturate our being with his love and with his compassion, our, our emotions, so that when we see broken humanity, the love of Christ wells up within us. And we open our eyes in faith rather than close our eyes in fear. And we get involved rather than withdraw. God can use you today, whether it's by sponsoring a child or reaching out to somebody in your community. He can use you as you allow him to saturate your soul with compassion to make a difference. Here's number two, he answered the cry. You see, it wasn't enough to see the need and have pity. He chose to answer the cry and do something about it. It's one thing to have faith, but faith without deeds is not faith at all. And so he went to him. This time we love God with our minds. It involves a conscious act of the will. He decided to do something. He went to him, put him on his donkey, took him to an inn and looked after him there. It's about intentionality. So you can be moved by what you see or you hear, but it's actually what you do. It's what you decide to do. Proverbs 21.13 says this, if a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. Ooh, I don't like verses like that, do you, Angie? It's horrible. I, I like verses like, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He restores my soul. Or I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I love verses like that. But then the Lord kind of slips these difficult ones in, doesn't he? If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. But don't you love me, God? Yes, I do, but I want you to understand my heart and get involved with what I'm saying. He answered the cry. Time is going. Here's the third thing. Uh, he refused to give up. He refused to give up. You see, he didn't just patch him up on the side of the road, but he puts him on a donkey, takes him to an inn, looks after him there. Then he pays the innkeeper two days' wages and uh, he goes off on business and comes back and uh, reimburses the guy for any extra expense. Here's a man who wanted to see it through to the end. He refused to give up. He saw someone who was broken and he wanted to see them made whole. You know, when we love God this time with all our strength, then nothing that uh, we have will be held back from him. We will follow through in our commitment by doing whatever it takes. Do you know, sometimes we start with good intentions, all kinds of things in life, don't we? Uh, and, and we get excited about stuff, but then criticism comes or opposition comes or, uh, you know, it doesn't work out quite like we thought. And so we kind of, you know, pull back. And, uh, and yet the word says, just as you started well, finish well. Maybe that's a word for someone this morning. Maybe you're thinking about laying down something too soon. And God hasn't said do that yet. 
you know, because your breakthrough could be just around the corner. Don't give up praying for that teenager. Don't give up looking after that child. Don't give up on that family. You know, this is about love. This is about friendship, about grace, relationship. It's not about bums on seats. It's not about numbers, but it is, but it isn't. But it's about long-term investment into people. And, uh, you know, God invests long-term into us. He's patient with us. Longing that through his kindness, we will come to that place of repentance. Come on, let's, let's not give up on people. Do you know, uh, in the year 80s, we used to say this, that 40,000 children died every day of easily preventable causes. Now it's 15,000. Still tragic. But can you see the difference? In 1981, 52% of the world's population were living in abject poverty. Now it's only 26%. So we halved it in a generation. So things are changing. You don't hear this stuff. Things are changing all of the time. And we can make a difference. You are making a difference as you invest in these kids and as you get involved with other areas, with Toto, World Vision, all these different things. We're making a difference and helping the poor uh, to come into that place of hope. Uh, there are now 700 million less people living in abject poverty than in 2009. There are 250,000 less maternal deaths every year because treatment is getting better. Sanitation, resources are being provided. Eight million more HIV victims are getting treatment. In the past eight years, 22 countries have cut their rate of those dying of malaria by 72%. It's, it's changing all the time. And you think, well, I, I can't change this massive problem. No, but you can change the world for one. You can do something. Mother Teresa said, I, ca I can't deal with the world, but I can throw a stone on the waters that will cast a ripple effect. Incredible. We can do this together. Can I share one more thing with you? Scott, 27 points. So here we go. Number one. No, no, it hasn't. No. So he chose to see the need, he answered the cry, he refused to give up, and number four, he was the key to bringing life. You see, the, the, the good Samaritan wasn't hindered by the difference of this man, because he wanted to make a difference to this man. So he was aware of the kind of cultural barriers, the social implications, uh, the context that he was in, the racial uh, situations, the po political barriers and the prejudices and the fear of the unknown. But he was willing to cross all of that because he saw someone that was broken and he realized I've got the resources to be able to meet that need in my life. You know, this time it's about loving God with all our hearts with our souls, with our mind, with our strength, but with our hearts as well. Then when we love God with our hearts, then nothing that we have will be held back from him. Everything that we have. You know, David said that as he sacrificed before the Lord. He said, everything that I've got comes from you anyway. And so, you know, you may have saved hard, you may have worked hard, but it, God's given you this. It, it all belongs to him. He, he just calls us good stewards uh, and to look after his resources and to, to, to be a blessing, to be blessed, but to be a blessing uh, as well. Well, you know, the, the world of the generous gets larger and larger. Who wouldn't want to buy into that? Who wouldn't want to buy into that? I want my life and my world, my heart to be enlarged. So I need to be giving in every way with my time, with my energy, with the words I speak, with uh, the encouragement I give, with the help, the practical help I give, with my money, with my gifting, what, whatever it may be. Give it away from yourself because we serve a God 
who gave away from himself. God so loved the world that he gave his son Jesus to die for us. Hallelujah. Do you know the priest represented religion and the Levite represented ritual? Uh, and can I tell you that God hates both? In fact, the only religion that God sees as being pure is to keep yourself from being polluted by the world and to bless widows and orphans in their distress, James tells us. So that's the only religion that God sees. You know, back in Isaiah 58, the people of God were saying, God, why haven't you heard us? We've fasted, we've prayed, we've done everything you've said, but you're not hearing us. You're not answering our prayer. And, and God gets angry. Shout aloud, he says. And when God get, gets angry, he wants to get our attention. And he says, on the day of your fast, you exploit your workers. You abuse the poor. You're greedy for gain, so you climb on the backs of others because you just want more and more. How can I bless that? He says, is not this the kind of fast that I've chosen? To loose the chains of injustice, to set the captive free, to give food to the hungry and shelter to the homeless and clothing to the naked and, and not to turn the stranger or your flesh and blood away. Then your light will rise. Then your healing will come. You see, God wants us to get it into the pattern and, and, and connect with his heart. If a man shuts his ear to the cry of the poor, he too will cry out and not be answered. But you know, the Samaritans showed friendship. Friendship, relationship. The poor need a friend. They need somebody who will hold their hand, walk with them across the line, say, hey, there's hope in Jesus. There's, there's hope because we love you. I love you. I'm going to write letters to you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to, uh, you know, believe with you that you can become all that God wants you to be. The good Samaritan gave his time, his touch, and his treasure to restore a broken person. You'd be amazed at what some of our kids are doing now. I think of uh, Bougen in Haiti, standing for truth and righteousness in a corrupt government, believing to be president. We've got another one of our young people who's just gone into government there as well. We've got Margaret in Ugandan government, standing for righteousness and affecting change. We've got uh, Patience, who heads up the anti-corruption unit for the Ugandan government. Death threats on her life, but she's standing for righteousness. We've got local business people, lawyers, doctors, engineers, teachers, who are turning around their communities. Great mums, great dads, dads who will be good role models for their families and for other men in their community. You know, when you invest in a child, you give them a, the chance to become all that Jesus wants them to be. Last year, 158,000 kids gave their lives to Christ across our programs. That's good, isn't it? You can clap, yes. And what happens is the local church that oversee the project is growing. So this isn't about a picture of a kid on your wall, on your fridge. This is about the kingdom of God. This is about the church growing in that community. Hey, listen, we're just going to roll a quick video. Is that okay? And uh, you can just see four of our young people who've come through, a, uh, through the program. I'm going to jump back up, tell you one more story, and the band are going to finish off. Thank you. Watch the screen. It's so smelly, very dark water. You can see trash, rats, all of the crimes. The friends that I played with in the neighborhood got captured and was being trained to become child soldiers. In a given week, we'd go at least for three days without food. 
we would beg our parents just to buy one apple, but even the rotten ones we could not afford to buy. I just want to taste it. I just want to eat that fruit. In a period of 18 months, I lost my small brother Patrick, my mom, and I lost my stepdad because of the terrifying disease of HIV AIDS. When my mother died, I was lost. I was looking for hope, for God to just show me that everything was going to be okay. Not knowing what tomorrow will look like, not knowing whether I would have a home, whether we would live to see the next day. I don't know why Aaron Mitchell decided to sponsor me, but when he did, my whole life changed. A group of people from Compassion showed up at my church. They said, you're gonna go to school, and then somebody's going to write to you. I don't have to worry about whether my parents would have enough money to keep me going to school. Even if I get sick, someone was there to take care of me. I felt safe. I felt wanted. My sponsor is Edwin Bunny. Maria and Hanshru. Aaron Mitu. Five women from a Lutheran church that were sponsoring me. I am now a physical therapist and I'm working in a hospital. Clinical social worker. I was the first child in my family to go to high school, to go to college. I have a bachelor and a master in, in, in biomedical engineering, a second master in engineering management, and uh, I called me into ministry, so I had to go and get a third master. I have a ministry called Youth Arise Africa that works with boys who don't have father figures. We opened a small school. It's now providing the same opportunity that Compassion provided to me so that they too can break out of the cycle of poverty. Whatever you do for the least of these, you do for me. You do for me. You did for me. You did it for me. Sponsor a child today to break the cycle of poverty in a child's life like my sponsor did for me. Incredible. What amazing stories of hope and transformation. Because somebody invested in them. You heard one guy from Haiti there. You know, I think it was five women, he said. You know, shared that sponsorship. Maybe you can't afford that 25 pound a month. And I just need to tell you as well, there's gonna be a rate change next year in April. It's gonna be 28 pounds. We have to do that because we just can't afford to do the program that we do. So this is a good time to get in. 25 pounds, it will move to 28 in April. But listen, you know, you can make a difference. You know, it's a few coffees at Starbucks. It's a, a takeaway a month. But actually, you could be creating a next world leader. You could be creating an, a teacher who's going to give education to their community. You could be creating a next scientist or a doctor who's going to provide health care into that community. A business person who's going to create wealth and employment around their town. Let's just pray a moment. And, and if God is speaking to you about this, and there's all kinds of areas of response, it could be just change my heart, God, make me more grateful. Help me not to buy into this consumerist society that says I need more all the time, but help me to simply live so that I can, others can, to live simply so that others can simply live. But today, if, if you wanna sponsor a child, we've got some folks who've got child profiles from your projects in, in uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And if you would like to sponsor a child, 
this morning, why don't you just raise your hand right now and they'll just come to you and place that child in your hand, fill out the form and uh, bring it back to us at the stand there. If that's you this morning, just as everybody else is praying, you don't uh, need to worry whether you want to come to the stand later as well, you can do that. But if you just raise your hand, keep your hand raised up, that's right, so that they can see. That's fantastic. Yeah, it's some around the auditorium there. Keep it raised up so they can see. Fantastic. Father, we thank you so much for, for what you're doing in this church. Thank you for their heart of compassion and mercy for the poor. And we ask God that you will bring about uh, real hope there in those communities of Kenya. Thank you for every child. Thank you for every project, for every church. Would you bless us even as we bless them, Father? In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you so much.